Welcome to A Safe Place, a podcast where we discuss school gun violence and how to keep kids safe in schools. I am your host, Louis Aponte. I'm an author, a librarian, a filmmaker, and the founder of Dragon Film Productions. I am so honored to have you here with me. Thank you for joining me today. This is the first episode of A Safe Place. This podcast is inspired by two books that I just recently completed. I am so thrilled. Uh, the first one is called A Safe Place, Imagining Schools Without Gun Violence. And the second one is called The Ultimate U.S. School Shooting Reference Guide. Uh, or at least that's the titles that I have right now. Uh, perhaps the publisher might want to change it once it's actually published. Who knows? But in the meantime, uh, if you would like to receive updates on when both titles will be published, uh, please make sure to sign up for my newsletter on a asafeplacebook.com uh, and follow me on this podcast. So why have I decided to create this project? Am I just here to promote a couple of books? Mm, no, not exactly. Uh, you see, on February 14th, 2018, uh, on Valentine's Day, a 19-year-old shooter uh, walked into the campus of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School and, with an AR-15 semi-automatic rifle. He killed 17 people, and he injured 17 more. Uh, some of you might be thinking, "It's like you know, well, you know that, that's terrible, but you know, school shootings happen all the time. Why is this one so important to you?" And uh, the reason, the fact that <laughs> the fact that we've simply accepted that school shootings happen all the time speaks volumes about our culture, about our society, certainly about our politics. And um, especially when you consider, when you compare us to other civilized nations such as Canada, UK, Australia, Japan, you know, the same countries that watch the same violent movies, that play the same violent video games, and listen to the same uh, music. You know, I mean, they don't, they don't have a fraction of what we have in terms of gun violence, and this is what we hope to explore. You know, gun violence, especially in schools, in movie theaters, in churches, basically Anywhere that's not a war zone is wrong. It's it's unacceptable. You know, we need to keep reminding ourselves of that every single time that it happens. You know, we can't be so desensitized to gun violence that we simply accept it as a part of our reality. I mean, after all, you know, what kid wants to go to school? What parent wants to send their kid to school knowing that a school shooting could happen at any time and that nobody, not even the good guys with the guns, might be able to stop it? I don't accept that, and neither should you. Secondly, the reason why that particular school shooting uh, holds so much personal meaning is because that cowardly act of terrorism happened at my old high school. What makes it even more personal is that when I attended Marjorie Stoneman Douglas in 91 and 93, I had, to leave in, I had to leave a year early in my junior year because a convicted drug dealer brought a gun to school and threatened my life. You know, thankfully I survived. Thankfully I was able to create a life of my own, but... Unfortunately, there are 17 souls that are not able to say that right now. And that's why I decided to start this podcast. So back when I attended Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, I believe it was the summer of 91. I was uh, 15 years old. I was only supposed to be visiting for the summer um, because I was living with my father in Hawaii. Uh, my parents divorced when I was four years old, and he was in the Army for 20 years, so we moved around a lot. But this particular summer, I decided to stay. And uh, as you can imagine, my father was less than pleased with this decision. And so, Bobby, if you are listening to this, watching this, um, I just want to express again, you know, how sorry I am for, you know, all the pain and all the frustration and all the hurt I put you through uh, during that time. But um, I am grateful um, to you for, you know, all of, your, all of your love, all your support, and the relationship that we have today. So, um, so thank you. 
So uh, back when I was uh, at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, I started my sophomore year, but then when I became a junior, uh, just like a lot of different high schools, I had the opportunity to choose uh, some electives. And uh, back then I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, But I, I know that I always enjoyed working with animals and uh, spending time with them. And, you know, the fact that you could have a career, you know, uh, deep sea diving and working with marine life uh, sounded pretty cool. So uh, I decided to take that class. And uh, nobody knew me in this class. You know, I was still fairly new to the school. And uh, I was somewhere in the middle. And in the back row, there was these group of guys that just always causing trouble, you know, always, you know, seem to need a lot of attention. But there was this one guy, there's always one guy that needs a little extra attention, you know. And uh, one particular day, he drew this really nasty photo of a woman and on a piece of paper, crumbled it up, threw it on my desk. And when I opened it up, it said, this is your mother. Yeah. So I crumbled it up and uh, I threw it in his face. He's like, what, you want to fight? I'm like, name the place. And <laughs> let me get this straight. It's not like I was like this tough guy or anything like that. I mean, I was 115 pounds soaking wet. Uh, but my family and I, we all practice martial arts uh, together. Um, and I, I've been practicing martial arts on and off since I was four years old. And at the time, my former stepfather was a uh, police detective. I'm sorry, a detective for the Fort Lauderdale Police Department. Um, so I think I was feeling delusional in my invincibility <laughs> or maybe the idea that nobody would mess with me because of all these factors <clears throat> so um you know he's he's a name the place and i met him after school but he never showed up and uh, it was getting late and i didn't want to miss my my school bus i didn't have a car and i wasn't gonna wait around for this idiot and you know looking back i'm like what the hell was i thinking because uh you know it was, it was just me you know, and I knew he had these little gang member friends and stuff. And so if things went really, really bad and they all decided to join in, I would have been in a lot of trouble. So um, I'm kind of grateful nothing happened. <laughs> but, you know, the next day uh, I came back to school and I was feeling pretty good about myself. You know, stand a little bit taller because, you know, I stood up to this bully and uh, an acquaintance of mine ran across the, the courtyard. He's like, David, you have, you have to get out of school right now. Why? And, and by the way, um, if you're wondering why he says David, uh, back then um, I went by my middle name because when I was in elementary school, kids used to make fun of my Hispanic name, Luis. You know, now I don't care. I love my first name. But um, back then I went by my middle name. So if you looked at the 91-92 Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School yearbook, uh, you'll see me listed as David. And that's why. So um, anyways, going back to the story, so my, my acquaintance, he's like, David, you have to get out of school right now. And I'm, why? He's like, Ricky's looking for you. Ricky's that guy that I insulted in the class in front of his friends. <clears throat> He's like, Ricky's looking for you and he has a gun. Why? <laughs> I think that's all I said too, it was just why. And, uh, and then I, I walked home. Um, it took about 45 minutes. And the only reason why I remember that is because there was many times uh, in which I overslept and I missed the, the school bus and none of my friends had vehicles. My mother was already in school. And uh, so I had to walk uh, several times. <laughs> so I knew the distance from Coral Springs all the way to, to Parkland. Um, but yeah, so when my mother uh, returned, um, you know, she got home. I told, I told her I was going to move back to Hawaii and live with my dad. Uh, she freaked out, talked to the principal, and the principal suggested doing home study. And, um, you know, that... I sound like a good idea. I know what you're thinking. You're like, why didn't you just call the cops on him and have him arrested or kicked out of school? I was like, yeah, that, that sounds logical now. But back then I was young. I was scared. I was 
stupid. <laughs> and um, I knew enough to know that if, even if that did work, even if he was kicked out of school, even if he was arrested again, um, he still had a whole bunch of friends that were staying behind. And I can only imagine uh, how badly they would have retaliated. Um, so I wasn't going to take that chance and home study sounded like a good idea. So uh, I finished school uh, a year early, actually. And uh, shortly after my 18th birthday, um, I ended up joining the Air Force. And so I missed my senior year. I missed all the things that seniors look forward to, your senior skip day, you know, prom, maybe earning a scholarship so it could, you know, pay for my own way in college. You know, I was being raised by a single mom with four kids. She was on welfare, working a minimum wage job and also going to uh, community college at the same time. So she was a super mom and I, I respect the heck out of her, you know, just what she had to do to make sure that, you know, none of us ever went to, to bed hungry. And uh, so I have a lot of you know respect for that, and uh, you know I love her dearly. I love both my parents dearly. But um, so yeah, so that was my experience. I mean, you might think that you know school shootings only happen in big cities or poor neighborhoods, but Parkland was a pretty affluent, or still is a pretty affluent community. I mean, back then in '91 to '93, I think the average home was between. Three hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand dollars. I mean, this is '91, '93. Now. I took a quick look over at Zillow.com, just out of curiosity. Um, these houses are going between one and four million dollars. I mean, it's insane. I mean, I don't know how anybody could afford that, but you know, that's that's Parkland. Matter of fact, back then um, in 2018, uh, before the school shooting happened, Parkland was listed as one of the safest uh, cities to live in Florida. So if it can happen there, it could happen anywhere. It could happen in a, in a public school, a private school, even an Ivy League school, and I can prove it. You know, that, that's one of the things that I've. I've listed in the 1,204, I'm sorry, yeah, 1,204 school shootings I've, I've found in 30 years in the United States. So um, after the Parkland shooting, uh, I spent the next three years studying every school shooting from January, January 1st, 1990 to January 1st, 2020. And uh, I wanted to find patterns that could help save lives. You know, when I finished my research, uh, I ended up meeting uh, the mother of one of the victims from the Parkland shooting, and uh, I'll never forget, you know, at the end of our conversation, uh, she's an amazing woman, by the way. Uh, she's trying to pass legislation all across the country. I hate to say common sense, and people, I think, I feel like that's an overused term, you know, common sense, you know, gun legislation. Um, it has nothing to do with guns. It has to do with putting, like, um, a panic alarm underneath the, um, you know, the desks of the teachers. So that way, whenever there is an emergency, you can press that button, and it'll immediately alert uh you know, law enforcement, uh, which I think is a brilliant idea. But, you know, she asks me, you know, what is going to stop the next school shooting? And uh, that's what this podcast, I, I hope, will achieve. You know, it's something we can explore. You know, I'll be inviting a variety of different guests from both major political parties and no political parties because I don't feel that this should be a political issue. You know, at least it shouldn't be. I'm going to invite experts, law enforcement officers, authors, survivors of gun violence, and even family members of those that lost people to gun violence and are currently uh, active, you know, just, you know, trying to, you know, make a difference. Um, I'd like to explore what ideas that they have, see what's been working, and see if there's ideas that hopefully will inspire maybe you and your community um, to help save lives, you know, something that doesn't require an act of Congress, you know. Um, and also, if you've, if you've ever experienced, um, you know, a, a school shooting event and, uh, you know, you want to tell your story and you, you'd like to share that uh, here um, on this podcast, you know, please reach out to me because I would love to hear from you, truly. 
These interviews will be available on YouTube, uh, this podcast, and some of the interviews will be featured in a feature-length documentary uh, I'm, I'm currently in pre-production for. Um, it's going to be based on my books called A Safe Place, so please stay tuned for that. So you are all invited with me on this journey to find the answer to this question, you know, how do we stop the next school shooting? You know, I... I say we because, you know, there's no politician, no, no president, no celebrity, no single person is going to be able to, to do this alone. You know, we have to be able to do this as a community. Uh, you know, I mean, all this divisive politics, that stuff needs to stop. That needs to stop. Okay, this is something that we need to, you know, come together on, you know, something we need to find solutions that doesn't require an act of Congress because no particular law is going to stop the majority of school shootings. And, and that's something that I can definitely prove in a safe place. Um, so again, make sure you like and follow this podcast, sign up for my newsletter on a safeplacebook.com, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. One Nation.